Welcome to the 76th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Today's guests are truly role models for people living with diabetes and their life partners, Chris and Candace Clement. If you're new to the show, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and the host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I've lived with type 1 diabetes for 36 years, almost 37, and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. As you know, social media is a one-stop shop to stay up to date with friends and family from across the globe. That is a kind of a blessing and a curse at times. As I stroll the various channels each day, it always brings me joy to see a post from Chris or his wife, Candace. They are honest, vulnerable, and a little sappy at times, but are the perfect reminder there are still good ones out there. You know, the ones that support you and your diabetes through the good, the bad, and serious hypos while educating their three kiddos. <laughs> Today, they resonate love, compassion, and a supportive partnership and are really role models for us all. Before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by NPIN, the only FDA-approved smart insulin pen and app system. Five years ago, Companion Medical identified a hugely unmet need after discovering that only 7% of insulin users tapped into pump therapy. That's still shocking to me, I, I, really, because every picture I see, somebody's got a pump on. Their integrated diabetes management ecosystem includes a smart insulin pen that automatically sends your dose to an app on your smartphone tracking insulin on board, and providing a dose calculator, which can help avoid stacking while calculating more accurate doses. Winning! The InPen is hassle-free with a clean design, no recharging, no downloading. Everything is done automatically, making life with diabetes and multiple daily injections a lot easier. As someone who has never tapped into insulin pump therapy, I'm ecstatic to discover InPen. It will be the next tool in my diabetes management tool belt, allowing me to give multiple daily injections with confidence. If you would like to learn more about NPIN, please check out the show notes. I'll have links in there for everything. Number two, Patreon subscription. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that I launched this a few months ago. Your subscription will help me grow the DDG team, allowing me to create more podcasts and content. It is as simple as $5 a month. And if you take a look, it's pretty entertaining how I came up with the different levels there. Number three, hit me up if you're hosting a conference or event. I love meeting new people and have the gift of gab. Never met a stranger. <laughs> Co-host a real-life diabetes happy hour in your town. It's a great way to connect with someone else in your area. And in my opinion, everyone needs a diabetes. Number four, get involved in the diabetes online community. There are a ton of fellow bloggers and diabetes characters who do a fabulous job of sharing their story. And we all know each of our stories are different, so you never know who you'll connect with. Number, I think it's five, advertise. If you feel your brand complements our mission, we would love to hear from you. If you're interested, please send an email to my marketing associate, Penelope at Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. She'd love to hear from you. Leave an iTunes review and stay connected by signing up for the DDG monthly newsletter. And continue to love, like, and share on social media. And don't forget, you can always send me feedback, ideas, comments, or complaints. I can be reached via email or on any social media platform. Number six. This year, I branched out and rallied fellow people living with diabetes to form the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Group. It was created to help bridge the communication and awareness gap between the patient and medical community. We have all witnessed this in one way or another, and so we really hope to make a difference for both parties. The team and the services we provide will soon be highlighted on the Diabetes Daily Grind website, so please stay tuned. If you would like to learn more in the interim, please contact me at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Well, I think that's it for the announcements, uh, so let's get started.
daily grind, it's a daily grind. Grind and grind and grind and grind. Didn't get this. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I figured it out. Have you, just out of curiosity, have you used this platform before? It's, uh, I've been on calls with this platform, but I've never actually personally used it. Okay. Well, it's, it can be challenging. So I'm glad you guys made it to the show. <laughs> it said that there was an update and I was ignoring it. And then I was like, fine, I'll update. And then it worked. <laughs> now we <laughs> know so if I have problems in the future. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sitting here in my studio in Oklahoma City. Where are you guys? We are in Bountiful, Utah. It's not far from Salt Lake City. That sounds like a fun place. Bountiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I want to start with Chris. We met at with Master Lab, correct? Right. In How Orlando. many years ago was that? <laughs> I think that was, that might've been almost five years ago. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I remember um, you were sitting in front of me and I had no idea, you know, I was so happy to be there, but really didn't know anyone. And, and that's when everybody, you know, Cynthia was there. There was mm-hmm. such a great crew. And, um, but such a whirlwind of a trip. So what brought yeah. you to that event in particular, especially during that period of time? It was actually Cynthia. So Cynthia and I met, um, at, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, Christelle did the diabetes unconference. Yeah. Yeah. So we met at the first one of those in Las Vegas and she and I and a, and a group of people made like really close friends, um, talk all the time. And then she kind of, uh, she told me there was an opportunity to go to that. And I was at the time working for Alliance Health. I was, uh, I was, you know, really active in the online community. And that's what Master Lab was really about, is kind of helping enable advocates who are trying to do something. So she got me, she got me to go to that. And I have to say, just because at that period, the blog, I had just started the blog. I don't think the podcast even existed and I remember getting a t-shirt that said, you know, Master Lab uh, Advocate. And I was like, wow, I never thought of myself as an advocate. I was just yeah. sharing my story. So yeah, that was, exactly. It was, a, it was a great, um, yeah, it was a great opportunity. So I kind of always start with uh, your diagnosis story because everyone mm-hmm. is, is similar, but not the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so mine is, uh, mine, mine happens when I was 18 years old. I was in high school, and over about a two-week period, uh, I, I didn't even realize because it just seemed gradual to me, but over a two-week period, I had gone from you know, regular senior in high school to this skinny, weak, tired thing. Like I was just draining of life. Um, yeah. And I just thought I was depressed and malnourished. So I was, I was like, the, the day before I was diagnosed, I... Um, I went to the store and bought a, a gallon jug of, of grapefruit juice oh. thinking I'm just going to get a lot of vitamins. And I throughout the course of that day, drank that entire gallon of grapefruit juice and, you know, landed in the hospital the next morning. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like I had all the, all the classic symptoms to a pretty heavy degree. I, my, I couldn't see anything. I weighed 114 pounds, which is pretty light for a senior yeah. who's about six feet tall. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Um, I had like my mom was concerned enough to ask if I was doing drugs, and of course I <laughs> flew off the handle with my high blood sugar rage. And <laughs> I told friends off who told me I should go see a doctor, and um, you know, eventually my mom just pulled me aside and said, "I'm taking you to the doctor tomorrow because I think you might have type one diabetes." And I didn't really even realize it because I didn't know much about it. But her why, father, what, why, yeah, like why she thought that. Well, her father um, had type one diabetes. Oh, okay. Um, and he he passed when she was, I think, twelve from pneumonia. But also, you know, diabetes yeah. probably wasn't a friendly companion <laughs> to to pneumonia. But so she lost him. It had been a while. It wasn't really in our family um, beyond that. So I think she just kind of started to recognize some things and convinced me to go to the doctor. So the next day I went to the doctor, he diagnosed me, they rushed me across the street to the, to the yeah. hospital, to the ER. And by the time I got there, I was blacking out. I was, I was fading. Um, I remember kind of fading in and out while they were trying to find a vein to stick an IV oh, in yeah. Yeah. to hydrate me and get me some insulin. Um, and then I, I, I pretty much passed out and woke up a, a few hours later with clear vision and just feeling a million times better. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So were you in full DKA? Yeah. 
How long did you end up staying in the hospital? Four days. Um, okay. And because you're older and I'm, I'm so fascinated by how everybody's experience is so different. Um, like when they came in to tell you, you had diabetes, I mean, do, obviously you kind of knew what it was, but did they give you serious instructions? How did, you know, were you scared? What were your feelings through that? When they first diagnosed me, I was kind of, I, you know, I was in not in a good state of mind. I was, you know, kind of losing it, but uh, they told me what it was. And I assumed that meant I had a, like five years to live maybe. Right. Uh, I just, I didn't know anything about it. I just thought that's what it meant. And so the four days I was there, I mean, I, as soon as I woke up um, and I could see clearer than everything, it's like right away I had people there helping me understand and telling me everything's going to be fine and had a, a diabetes educator um, named Misha who started in with me from day one and taught me everything. So I, I, you know, my, my fears of it went away pretty quickly when, when they started explaining things. I'm glad you got a good CDE because that I'm sure, I mean, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually still talk to her now. Like occasionally we, we stay in contact. (laughs) That's cool. Okay. So you're 18, you now have type one diabetes. Um, where, where do you go from there? I mean, did you go to college from, I mean, yeah. What's the next step in your life there? You know, I, I finished high school. Um, I mean, this is, this all happened in May of my senior year, May yeah. of, and, and I, you know, I finished school. I could like finally think clearly. I actually, for the first time, <laughs> got decent grades to finish out high school, <laughs> graduated. Um, I was, uh, I was really involved in the LDS church at the time. I actually went, went on an LDS mission, um, got back, you know, uh, I actually, while I was there, I got my first insulin pump about one year in because my blood sugar was just out of control. It was really bad and really difficult to manage. What did I was you using, I was using R and N. I was using the old school oh, yeah. stuff. Body so I got, my, I got my pump, and when I got my pump with it, I got started on Humalog. What pump did you start with? It was actually a Desatronic. Did you ever hear of the Desatronic? No. no. Oh, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> was it like big enough, like a backpack on your back? No, it actually wasn't, you know, cause this isn't the, this isn't the, um, tail end of the nineties when, okay, when I got yeah. it. it wasn't the first, I mean, it was like post mini med, mini med, I think was, was before it, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't even remember who, who bought it out and shut it all down. But I mean, eventually I ended up on an animus, mm-hmm. but yeah, that Desatronic, it did a fine job. It was very simple. It wasn't huge well, in my pocket. And let me just say, because I'm not a pumper and never have been. So that's mm-hmm. that whole, that, especially in that time in my life, that's totally foreign, but it's interesting to learn about now. Um, yeah. Okay. So you get, get through college. Oh no, just this, that was that mission thing. And oh then, yeah, uh, yeah. I actually didn't, didn't do school until um, a few years after that. I was in my mid twenties when I did school and I did all online school because I was working full time trying to maintain health insurance yeah. Um, so that I could afford to be alive. Um, you took so a couple classes though, didn't you? I took a couple classes at the community college and then I just wasn't working for me. But a few years oh. later I got serious and actually went and did a, did my associates and then my bachelor's degree. Well, and I'm so, this is perfect timing. Candace. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Candace meet Amber. Amber, hi, this Amber. is Candace. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, and so that was kind of be the next thing that, so how'd you guys meet each other? I was working right out of high school. I started working at uh, Guitar Center Music <laughs> Store. And uh, I was working at the accessories counter as a manager. And Chris here plays music. And he would come in with his band to buy supplies and strings and things. And he'd always kind of shyly stand in the background. And <laughs> he was a much shyer guy to begin with. But yeah, so we met him there and he told me, you should come to one of my shows. Love and, it. Yeah. I didn't end up going to that show, no, but, <laughs> but I gave her my number and said, here, when you get there, give me a call and I'll get you in. Oh, that's I was like, sweet. Oh, okay. And then she didn't come. Yeah. But then I saw him again. <laughs> they were buying drums or something for their band. And I felt bad that I didn't go to the show. So I went over and said, Hey, sorry, I missed your show, but you know, I still like you. <laughs> and he said, you know, you can call me anytime for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> how long, ago, how many years ago was that? 16, 16? 17. Yeah. 17 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so 
you guys have three beautiful children. We, we do. do. And what are their ages? We have um, an 11-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, so when you guys first met, and I'm always curious because I'm still single and, and diabetes and dating can be a rocky road. So how did you, Chris, you know, chat about it? Or Candace, what questions did you have? And, or were you nervous about anything? Do you remember when it even came up? It was so casual because I remember your pump. I mean, because with your old pump, your tubing was always hanging out of your pocket. Like yeah. you always had tubing <laughs> around. And I, I remember you being just very like matter of fact about it. Like this is my pump and I'm diabetic and my grandpa had type two diabetes my whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, yeah. Grandpa, grandpa had it. Evans had it. So I, yeah, I your, Oh, your grandpa, my grandpa it. Evans. Yeah. Gotcha. I grew up with him having diabetes and my grandma would make these horrible sugar-free sweets for <laughs> his birthday <laughs> parties, but bless her heart. But so I thought I kind of knew, and I knew it was different taking insulin, but in my mind it was like, Oh yeah, he was fine. And that's fine. It's diabetes, whatever. It's fine. And, uh, not realizing that it's a whole different ball of wax, but, well, but on the other hand, I wasn't really, I wasn't taking excellent care of myself. I kind of was in, I was in and out of burnout and denial for about 10, 10, 15 years of diabetes. So the first, like, I want to say about decade of our marriage, I was hardly even paying attention to it. I was I wasn't testing my blood sugar. I was like, if I felt really high, I would take some insulin to get it down, you know, like, and I'm on a pump at the time. Like that's supposed to make it super easy, but frankly, I just let the pump run in the background at a basal rate and then just ignored it for the most part. I ate whatever I didn't eat well, you know, as far as I knew, it was like he had it under control. I really didn't feel an urgency to learn a lot of about it, which I don't know what my problem was, but I was just kind of like, he's well, got really it. He always, he was always like, I've got this. And I'd be like, do I need to worry about different foods and stuff? And he's like, no, it's just, I need to take more insulin or less insulin. Like I can eat whatever I want. I just need to adjust my insulin and the pump takes care of it. And I really thought it was like, it's all good. <laughs> We're eating ramen noodles and hamburger helper. hamburger helper every night and going down to the Maverick and getting big gulps (laughs) just like not even caring at all like I just thought yeah he just takes more insulin and he's fine well and I think it's one of those things too and I know this is a big message right now in the diabetes community is I mean technically we can eat anything Mm -hmm. that we want and as long as we're being responsible with how how to do that and maintain it um, exactly and I mean and I just had a conversation with a group yesterday and I said that I personally do low carb just because I feel better. It had nothing to do yeah. with diabetes. It is absolutely about diabetes, but I didn't put the two together at the time. And so it's just fascinating. Um yeah, you know, and I hope when that I was, fixes when figures I, it out for themselves. When I was at when I was at Alliance Health doing everything with Diabetic Connect, there's um there was a a diabetes educator I connected with who had this really great message that she, that she kind of carried and stuck with. And it was all about mindfulness. I mean, she has a, her name is Laura Sapulo and she had this, um, she has this tagline that's um, eat kale and cupcakes. Her whole idea was like, I mean, it's like the the classic moderation um, doctrine, I guess you could say, but really it was about mindfulness. It was about like, understand what you're eating, how it affects you and make your choices, you know? And that's right. kind of where I stand today with it all is I still maintain, yeah, I can eat whatever I want, but I'm more choosy with what I eat because Absolutely. of how it affects blood sugar. You know, I can take more insulin and that's fine. And anyone who's doing that, that's totally fine. But like there's after effects, like chasing blood sugars and things like yeah. that, that happen if I'm eating high carb. So I kind of choose like a, a mid range carb, um, eating, yeah, you know, way of eating. So, w- do you guys, when you sit down for dinner with your with your kids, um, I mean, and we were, I was talking about this yesterday about sometimes it's like decision fatigue with what am I going going to eat, mm-hmm. and I'm sure planning a meal for a family can be challenging. Do you take diabetes into consideration um, when feeding your family? We do in ways. Uh, we don't. We don't kick foods out of rotation necessarily because of diabetes. I've right. changed. I've changed a lot. At, 
at first I was like, when I got serious about it, because Chris had a, a job change at one point when he was going to school, he was doing a job where he wasn't eating. It was a, he was installing, I was water installing softeners. water softeners. And so he was all over the place all day and he wouldn't stop to eat. Like he couldn't just stop to eat when, so his blood sugar was all over the place. He mm. dropped weight. We had some really scary, like I'm pouring orange juice down his throat to get him to come back, you know, like mm. it was really scary. And that was a wake up call for me seeing how bad it could be if he wasn't taking care of himself. Right. And so I started to really dig in and I was making meals that were like just zucchini noodles <laughs> and a little bit of sauce. And then he'd be like, this is great. You're so great, but I am starving. <laughs> You're, so I cut way too, like I uh, had to find like play it's around with food ground. and find a middle ground. So we kind of, we cut out potatoes. I used to make a lot of fun potato casseroles or potato right. dishes or pasta. We loved pasta. We ate so much pasta and it's like just carb loading all the time. Cause that's how I grew up. We were, a, my dad was a meat and potatoes kind of guy right. and it was a lot of pe pasta and potatoes. And so realizing that that wasn't, that that was a big part of his health. Right. I, I completely took potatoes out. We can live without potatoes. That's fine. Replaced it with sweet potatoes in right. a lot of ways and just tried to make other choices and make a healthier balance and have less rice. Go ahead. Less rice. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, I love what's, you know, the advancements in, I'm going to say food production. I have found, and I'm not going to, a couple of pastas that are chickpea pasta. Have you guys tried anything like that? We haven't tried chickpea pasta. No, we tried vegetable pasta, but it's not yeah. really, it's like healthier, but it's not. Oh well, yeah. When carb. we checked right. it, it's basically just yeah. like, I mean, the, the carb count was like no different. The, the fiber was no different. It's like no fiber and let me however say, many carbs. I'm just going to out it because it's, I love this product and I tell people about it all the time in my life that ha don't have diabetes. It's called Bonza, B-A-N-Z-A. And I have tried every single one of their noodles. I do casseroles with it. It's incredible. So there's a plug for you guys to give it a shot. Bring pasta back into your life. Okay. Where does it, where does it live on the affordability scale? <laughs> it's actually really affordable. I mean, it's not, it's like th less than $3 a box. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, and I that. believe you can probably get it on Amazon. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Definitely, no, definitely worth trying. All that said, we don't like, I mean, like as it stands today with like feeding the family and things, yeah. we've, we've let a lot of that stuff back in. And, and again, like I was saying, like it came down to realizing how bad it was for us, the way we were eating cutting it all back, my blood sugar in mind, our health in mind, yeah. and then getting to a point of this mindfulness that I'm talking about of just thinking like, it's all right to just enjoy food. We're fine yeah. with enjoying food. We feed our kids what they will eat, sometimes what they won't eat, but we try to, we try to keep variety in. We do, feed, yeah. we do eat pasta, we eat breads, we eat rice, we eat just potatoes. Not. Yeah, just it's just not crazy. Yeah, we just, we've, instead of just a pile of that, it's like that with broccoli yeah. just a little bit on the side always right. a little bit on the side yeah yeah okay well with your children and um i don't know that well are you concerned or do you guys do you get them tested um i think it's trial net isn't it um we haven't they, done that we did we at one point net. juniper kept getting sick and we went i had her actually that might have been for celiac but um anyway at one point she had her blood tested when she was ill and we found mm -hmm. out it was a different issue entirely but um it's always a main it's always a concern mm -hmm. i don't know i watch yeah. them all the time and be like you've been in the bathroom a lot like yeah. <laughs> are you peeing all the time you know is this <laughs> going to be a problem i'm always kind of watching them and worrying about that but we talked to somebody about getting the test done and they said something about that you have to take them in pretty much every year to get tested to see even if it's going to be a down the road. Yeah. Like, and that yeah. doesn't even guarantee that that's going to indicate that they will or won't. Right. So it's like, I might as well, I thought I'm just not make them worry about it. That's yeah. kind of my stance yeah. is like, it's in our genes. There's, there's a possibility and maybe even a likelihood. I don't, I don't know, but you know, we have three kids, the chances of someone getting it, exist and i don't know i i almost just feel like i know what to watch for we know right. what to watch for Candace knows what to watch for so rather than find out that they have 
everything there, you know, that could lead to it, you know, that could trigger it. I'm almost just like, if it happens, we'll deal with it. If not, why don't we just live our life? You know? I think that's a great, that's a great message. They don't need to worry about stuff like that. Well, right and do they, do they ask you questions about having diabetes? They do. And it's funny, especially from the three-year-old because he'll just see things go, dad, is that your diabetes? <laughs> he thinks everything is my diabetes. It's funny, but yeah, they, they do. And it's one of those things where I, I think it's, it seems simple to us because we've been just living with it for so long. But when the kids ask questions, sometimes you give the same answer you gave the last time they asked the question. And you kind of wonder if it's sticking and I feel, you know, eventually it will, but for now, they ask the same questions yeah. <laughs> multiple times. Well, and one of the things I really like um, that you guys uh, often post on social media is how much you uh, obviously love each other. That's clear by everything that you, you say and do, but th- th- how important it is to have a supportive partner. So Candace, oh, yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, is that something that comes, is just something that's natural for you? Or do you feel like you really have to make an effort when it comes to uh, being married to somebody with diabetes? I think. It's a lot of balancing. In the beginning, I just completely didn't, it didn't compute. I just didn't worry about it. Um, Like I said, when his health got bad is when it really shook me and made me realize the importance of it. And from then on, it's been just a total learning process. And I don't know, I'm pretty crazy about him. So it's easy to... (laughs) It, it was easy to just be like, I care about you so much. This is important to me. I can't believe that this wasn't a bigger deal to begin with. And then it, from then on, it's this balancing, it's kind of a balancing act of trying to figure out, like I said, with the food, it's like, I want to be helpful, but not too helpful. You know, <laughs> like there's a point where you're too involved. And so, and then emotionally supportive, like, I care. And so I want to check on his blood sugar, but I don't want to do it too much. Like it's this balancing act between being caring and supportive, but not pushy Yeah, and being there when you need, when he needs me and finding ways to comfort and, and help him without pity and right. making him feel like a burden because I don't ever want him to feel like he is a burden. His diabetes is a burden to me. So it's, it's it is a balance it's a constant balancing act and sometimes it's not sharing with him all the deepest darkest fears you know (laughs) that go on and being the cheerleader and being like we've got this we've got this it's all gonna be okay you know well and chris are you uh on a cgm yes do you uh, do you guys does candace have access to your blood sugar she does i do okay um, every couple is different and I love hearing mm-hmm. why they do or don't. And I can't imagine somebody keeping an eye on my blood sugar. I'd have a nervous breakdown. So. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing is she's, she doesn't, she's not overwhelming with it. Like she has access. She, right. she really doesn't. But the thing is, is the only time she really, I don't know, maybe you check it way more and you just don't say anything. I don't. But the only time I hear about it is when it's yelling urgent low and she's yeah. sends me a message wherever I am to say, are you okay? Did you take care of it? And I'll say, yes, good. Thanks. Yeah. You know, like that's the only time I hear about it is when alarms go off. When alarms that's go the off. only time we really communicate about it is if there's yeah. a severe low. Yeah. Well, but that's yeah. the thing is, is ever since I started using CGM, it's my, my approach to my blood sugar and my health is drastically changed. So <laughs> when it is in the, you know, in the highs or lows, I'm, I'm on it a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't mind sharing, and not pushing any product here, but what what is your what are you currently using? I'm using the Dexcom, the G6. And what pump are you on a pump still? I'm not. Okay. Uh, when I got my C, when I got my Dexcom, um, I stopped pumping. Isn't that? Oh, I just was a part, saw a report, and depending on the demographic, and I'm in, falling in that a lot of people are in my age are getting off pumps. And going back to multiple daily injections because mm-hmm. of the constant, you know, the CGNs and it's, their A1Cs are better. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I have my own personal explanation from that because the thing is, like I was saying earlier, when I was pumping, I just had it running in the background. Yeah. I forgot that it was there. I had that basal rate going. So I had enough insulin to keep me more or less level if I was 
taking care of other aspects of it, but yeah. I was eating whatever and I wasn't, I wasn't doing my regular bolus for it. So, you know, I'd eat and then I'd feel like crap a few hours later and then yeah. I would just take a big hit of insulin. So it's like my, my blood sugar was all over the place and I didn't even realize how bad it was, you know, like, but I, I came around to it thinking like, you know, you get a pump to, to simplify it, but if you're not thinking about it, um, and you're not dosing, then what good is it? You know, right. like the pump is just a method for getting insulin into your body, just like a needle. But the thing is when I'm, when I'm doing MDI, when I'm using a syringe and a needle, it's an act that I have to do every time I eat. It's this, it's a routine. For some reason it, it sticks in my mind better than, you know, pulling out a thing and pushing a few buttons. Right. So and aside from all that, I'll say straight up, like the cost, the cost of all this stuff yeah. is so outrageous. There's just, I was like, there's no way I can pay for CGM supplies and pump supplies. It's just too overwhelming. I really hope that in my lifetime that that changes. Um, I know there's a lot of advocacy right now that everyone should have access to these life, life-saving literally tools. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just hope, I, I mean, I, it's, it's really upsetting period. Um, especially for children. Yes. Yeah. Oh and man, I, got, I don't know how I would have kids without that. Yeah. When oh, <laughs> I got something funny about this is, so you're one, you still use a vial and a syringe and I, mm-hmm. I that's what I prefer. And everybody in the diabetes community like falls off their chairs when I'm at, at lunch or whatever. And I whip that out. They're like, really? no pump. You couldn't even just use an insulin pen. And I'm like, oh, this, this has worked for me. Um, you yeah. can't microdose with a pen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes I know. Sometimes I need a little extra like quarter of a unit and I can just eyeball that with, between the dot, between the lines. Right. And I, I'm so ridiculous right now. And I'm going to write them about this because the insulin pens for my small hands are hard to use. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, right now I have a bunch of Novolog that I am pulling out of a pen because I just used my, wrapped up my last file, which mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with, but it's just, it's a convenience, too. It's yeah. so much easier. Yeah. So, w- tell me about your every, like, your personal life. I know you're in a band. What's your band right now? I'm in a band called Swarmer. It's, it's metal. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy metal, yeah. like? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been I've been I've been really into metal. Like that's kind of my forte as far as writing process goes. So I've been in metal bands for about fifteen Before you met me, 20 yeah. years. Ages yeah. twenty, at least twenty. That's say that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay, well, I, when you go on stage, because I know adrenaline and all the other things that go into, I guess, being in a band. What what's your goal blood sugar going into it? Um, I really don't fret over it. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, the thing, like, I, I'm usually the the most I do is I'm careful not to take insulin like an, within an hour before playing okay. because okay. it could just drop. But I also usually have something on the stage if I if I need it. Usually have something accessible there. So if I need to pop it real quick, and I, of course I've got the CGM, so I can easily just look at my watch and see, see if it's if it's dropping. I can stop and take something and just keep going. You know. Telling you those arrows make all the difference in the world. They really do. Well, and thinking about you being up on stage, like I know adrenaline for me, like if I'm doing public speaking or whatever, my blood sugar skyrockets quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mine goes up. You're being so active though at the same time by playing. Are you bass guitar or what do you play? No, right, just regular, normal just guitar. Regular. I mean, that's physical. In my, at least I would think so. Um, the way I play it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's a question. Has diabetes kept you from doing anything in your life? Nothing that I've wanted to do other than when I was limiting myself because I wasn't taking good care of myself. Right. Um, it's, 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 I've, I've, uh, that when we were talking earlier about the job I was doing, when we really started figuring out what we needed to do, I was installing water softeners. It was, it was destroying my body. It was destroying my health the way the, like a work, a common work day or a work week was, uh-huh. it was just, it was destroying me. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of made me cautious as far as, you know, when I was doing more like labor intensive jobs, of course I've been, I've been sitting behind a computer now for, for 
so long that, uh, you know, as far as my job goes, that it hasn't limited anything that way, really. It hasn't been a problem. But, um, you know, I mean, up until recent, and up until recently, the only things you really couldn't do was join the military and become a pilot. And the whole pilot thing is changing now, but right. it's not an aspiration of mine. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> it hasn't limited me. When, I st- when we first started the blog um, and I did this little YouTube video, which was about whenever I was diagnosed, like all the things that I don't think that they were in my face, like you can't do this, but you know, n- they don't have children and things like that. But when I really started doing research, I was like, oh my gosh, the military. And I, I didn't realize I couldn't be a pilot. Um, there was a scuba diving. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff at the time that was just totally ridiculous. And it's so mm-hmm. nice to see that glass ceiling being broken because we really can do anything and with technology (laughs) makes it a lot easier. I say it's a combination of technology enabling us more, but also awareness enabling us more because I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the rules and perceptions, like even in just like the professional world were wrong, quite frankly, because of assumptions. Um, And I feel like that that's changed so much. People know that, having type one diabetes, you know, using insulin shouldn't, mm-hmm. shouldn't mean you can't do certain things. Um, I, I think there's, there's more of that to happen. I was reading uh, recently on a local um, type one diabetes Facebook group that I'm in. Um, someone who's talking about their child's uh, coach wouldn't let them play. Like they basically had to quit the team because the coach refused to, to let, let their son with diabetes play. Because he didn't want that, he didn't want that on on him. If something happened, you know, that's, that's uh, it's ridiculous, and you know that's the importance of awareness and advocacy is to kind of change those perceptions and get rid I of that kind of crap. In that feed that you were reading, that somebody took action because that A is illegal, B just downright ridiculous, and that I hope that that mm-hmm. coach—I don't know if it was for a school or if it was a private, you know, whatever—but that person needs to be somebody needs to sit down and have a chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, I don't think it was a school thing. I think it was just a little league thing. Right. Yeah. That's uh, And maybe that's something, you know, as advocates, I need to change my attitude in that is that we get the opportunity to share what, that you can do these things. And maybe we mm-hmm. need to be more aggressive with little league or girl scouts or whatever yeah. it is that one of those instances might actually pop up. So that just kind of gave me a, a light just went off. Um, yeah. So so something I want to talk about because you have, from what I understand, for the most part in your professional career, worked in the diabetes world, correct? Mm-hmm. And so Quite you went a bit. Alliance, um, and now you're with Diathrive. I am. Yeah, I've been with Diathrive for a year and a half now, actually, this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw an ad or did something. It was, I think it was on Facebook, and I ended up ordering it diathrive the test mm-hmm. strips and it came with a meter and everything just out of curiosity because i was like there's no way i mean with all these other companies popping up i just was like i kind of want to try all of them just to see if they work and mm-hmm. i just wrapped up my diathrive uh, thrive i'm going to say test run. your supply my supply yeah i'm out of the strips it, it was dead on i mean it was the closest awesome. ever to dexcom ever in two years it was diathrive so I'm what all do you that. do for Diathrive? So I am real. I'm actually in charge of all of our our content and any community types of things. Um, I'm basically the I want to say like the token diabetic, but I, I kind of <laughs> am. And that's what I was at Alliance Health too. I mean, I started at Alliance Health as a just kind of like a marketing administrator type of thing. I was like in the systems, moving data around and things. And then I got to a point where I was in charge of our audience building and the kind of like the content that was being created. I mean, I wasn't in charge of the content, but I had an influence on it because I was there on social media, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what types of things people need. And I would go to the content team and ask them to write about it. Um, I created a, um, a weekly Twitter chat. I don't know if you ever remember that, but it was yeah. a, a Twitter chat that I was running every week. Um, that all went away. Uh, things changed at Alliance Health. The thing is about Alliance Health is I always thought what we were doing was making things more affordable because Alliance Health had a, um, I guess, a, I don't know if it's a test strip subscription model, but basically mm-hmm. 
we were we were supplying things um and i thought we were doing it to make it more affordable when really what we were doing was making our money from charging the insurance so you know it really wasn't that much better anybody who needed a cash pay situation was still way overpaying for their stuff right and you know i was kind of like disgusted with the industry in general because there's no way a test strip should cost a dollar I mean, it's absurd, especially now that I know what it costs to make them. It's ridiculous, you know? So it's just, it was a big, it was just like anything else in the, in the pharmaceutical industry. It was just overpriced and people making money off of our backs. So when I found out about Diathrive and then I tried out the equipment, I kind of pursued a, a role with them. Um, I had left Alliance Health, but then I found this and realized, like, I didn't even know you could get test strips and things like that outside of insurance. I thought you had to have insurance to make it affordable. Yeah. Um, you know, you needed a prescription, everything, but with, with Diathrive and we're not the only ones, but with Diathrive, you, you get what you want when you want. There's no prescription. There's no insurance. It's just whatever I need is what I can get. Well, I got to say, um, just this week, uh, at the Oklahoma diabetes legislative caucus, and there are a number of type ones that are there. And this young lady, bless her heart, she, we break up in yeah. the workshops, whatever. And she happened to mention the fact that she was struggling with her medications and her supplies. And she got a little teary and she said, I mean, for the love of God, a test strip is a dollar and that's with my insurance. Yeah. And she goes, I need to test six to eight times a day because I don't have a CGM. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And that's when I just said, hey, listen, I just tried Diathrive. I mean, it's ridiculous. Just and every, I mean, it, it, it makes me very happy that there are options out there like mm-hmm. this because yeah. you can't manage the disease without testing your blood sugar. That's why I'm passionate about what what we are doing. It's, I mean, I don't want to over overplug it, but like, you're not going to pay more than twenty four cents for a test strip with Diathrive. I mean, right. depending on like, I mean, there's a subscription model. If you do a subscription model for you know, however many a day that you, that you want to check your blood sugar and it's up to you, not your doctor, not your insurance, how much you check your blood sugar, you know, you're paying as little as like, I don't know, 15, 16 cents per strip, which is, you know, a fraction. Right. So I guess we've plugged Diathrive enough. <laughs> Plenty. And I really appreciate you sharing because I didn't realize that it was, um, they were actually that cheap. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really low cost. It's, it's, that's the thing that blew my mind when I learned about it. I was just like, are you serious? All this time I've been fighting with (laughs) how many times I can test and getting a prescription and overpaying with insurance. And I'm like, I can just buy what I want and nobody can. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I guess as we wrap things up, I I was thinking about, you know, do you have any, because like it's obvious, it's clear how much you both care about each other and managing diabetes is a group effort with your family. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you would give? to uh, maybe a couple that's struggling with something like this or language that might help them better communicate? From my perspective, I love what we have going here. And here's the, here's the one of the main reasons that I can think of off the top of my head is there is so much psychological baggage to managing diabetes, especially <laughs> like I'm well into adulthood. I've been doing this for a long time but it just becomes, sometimes it's just such a burden. It's just so difficult. Um, I've heard people, I've heard people say like, how do I get my husband to eat right or to start caring and things like that? And I I always feel bad for those couples. Like, I I don't know. I don't want to say it in a bad way, but like, I always just wish they could experience what I experienced because there's with that psychological you know, baggage that comes with it, it, it comes down to the person with diabetes has to figure out when that, when that works, but like hounding them about it, it's just going to dig them deeper. It's not going to help. Right. Um, I think there's a, I think there's a balance needs to happen between, you know, I care about you and therefore I'm going to do whatever I can to, to make you do this the right way. I, I guess I'm lucky that we haven't really had to get to that. Well, Chris, I, I think, the thing about Chris is that it makes it easier is that he is very open with me about everything that's on his mind. He's never been the kind of closed off person that other people have to deal with. I don't know. Like he's just very, 
what's the word that I'm looking for? Very vulnerable. He's very vulnerable with me. And that makes things a million times easier because you have to be vulnerable. And the person with diabetes has to let you, you know, and I'm just not the type of person that would ever be like, this is what you're going to eat and be on top of him about everything. And I kind of like to take a more passive role and let him tell me when he needs me and just try to do the best I can to encourage him to be healthy and encourage my kids to be healthy and yeah, without being too pushy. Like I said, it's all about balance, but ultimately it's up to him about how much he shares with me. I think there are subtle ways to help your spouse. And it's, you know, first of all, the, the spouse or the, the partner I'm going to say the partner, the partner needs to, you know, care enough to learn, to try to understand it better. I mean, there's just so much available information for just understanding diabetes besides what, what I need in order to learn how to manage it myself. There's things out there for partners to understand it better. And, you know, the more the partner learns about it, I think the easier time the partner will have aiding in this way. But I think there are a lot of like, along with that, as you learn, there are a lot of great subtle ways to encourage better health and encourage the person with diabetes to, to care more. Um, And it could be as simple as just like, if your home situation is home cooking, if, if the person with diabetes really likes a food and doesn't want to give it up and has, you know, and it's the type of thing that's kind of causing problems besides blood sugar, but there's other health, you know, metrics to care about. You know, there's like ways to change ingredients to just make it a little bit better that can right. make a difference. Well, let me add, ways like that. When you say that, uh, when Candace says that you're vulnerable, which I really appreciate that. Um, recently, I said, I think it's to my mom or to one of my friends because I'd had a really low in the middle of the night and then a low getting up. And my attitude was just different. And I was like, listen, I'm have a diet, I have a low blood sugar hangover. I mean, I feel like crap. It's nothing about you. I just, it's, I'm just not going to be my, on my game today. And one of my friends was like, why don't you write about that? Or why don't you talk about it? And so I'm, I'm saying that is something that's happened to me recently. So when you're vulnerable, um, because we ha- deal with so many emotions every single day. So if you had that same situation, would you get up and just start the day with telling your wife, Hey, listen, I've had a rough night and I'm, I'm going to be cranky today or whatever. It, it touches on everything. I mean, and when you're learning, when he says to learn about it, when you do know that it affects mood so much, when it affects depression, it, ex- it, it affects your sex life, you know, yeah. it touches every area of your life. And if you understand how much it affects, not just their body, but their brain, it makes yeah. a huge difference in, in communicating and how you treat them when they're got a high blood sugar and they're just snippy, you know, yeah. it just, you have to know those things if you want to be able to communicate and not just be angry, you know? Right. Yeah. Well said. A little bit more forgiveness, knowing that it affects their mood. Well, not that he's ever crabby. He's never oh, crabby. I get super crabby, you know? And, but that's the thing is he's sometimes, sometimes we, we really, I lucked out here. I mean, we don't fight very often at all. Fighting with us is very rare and it's always, it's, it doesn't drag out too long or anything but like if we're in you know the heat of the moment like that you know we can easily just look at Dexcom and see what's going on <laughs> you know and be like you know what let's have this conversation when I'm not in the 300s that, Dexcom needs to be like part of a dating app like yes <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, be, I'm, I'm going to be cranky through this period or I'm going to act like I'm intoxicated because my blood sugar is 38 yeah <laughs> She'd be able to like set what, what counts as highs and like attach emotions to those, yeah. to those numbers as well. Assign emotions that yell at your partner or your date's phone. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm pushing that right now, Dexcoms. Let's make this happen. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for taking time to be on the show. And oh, our pleasure. In a weird way, um, you guys are really, um, I don't know, mentors, I guess, or at some level. And I love the fact that you're like, like I said, open about the good, the bad, the ugly, and how you handle it. And you're public about it, vulnerability, big time. And Mm -hmm. you're you're making a big impact on other people's lives. So keep up. That's good. All right. Well, you guys enjoy your Saturday and, and have a great holiday.
You too. too. Thanks Thanks for doing this with us. Thanks for having us. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Since starting the blog and podcast, I've had the privilege to connect with T1Ds who, like me, are fighting the good fight as diabetes advocates. I only scratched the surface with these two and how they, as a team, manage type 1 diabetes while living the good life, metal bands and all. (laughs) I hope their story will remind everyone that we deserve a supportive partner, diabetes or not. FYI, (laughs) I'm currently single, so hit me up if you know anyone. (laughs) Just kidding. Before I wrap up, I have a few last minute items. Don't forget to check out NPIN from Companion Medical. You can learn about NPIN at companionmedical.com or in the show notes. As I mentioned in the intro, we are looking for solid partnerships. So hit us up if you're interested. We love getting creative. So the sky is the limit. I mean, we entertain all opportunities, I promise. For more information, shoot us an email to Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, please continue to love, like, and share on social media. You can also leave an iTunes review or shoot me an email with comments, thoughts, or ideas. I can be reached anytime at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Thanks for listening and cheers to the highs and lows.